Hello there. You're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Tuesday, the 21st of February. Today, I'm joined by Lacey Smith, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Hi there, Lacey. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Peter. How are you? Yeah, all good here. All good here. Um, (laughs) So, um, what are you going to talk about today, then? Um, I am going to talk about an article from The Telegraph that was about Morrison's cutting food prices for the second time in weeks. Yeah. So, first of all, I'll say, first of all, I thought it was quite funny because a couple weeks ago, they made a massive food price cut of, like, over a thousand items that Mm -hmm. they were cutting prices on and this week's article is about an entire 64 items that they are possibly whoa i tell you i'm glad that i'm sitting down (laughs) i mean i hope everyone who's listening to this is sitting down and hasn't just choked on their whatever it is coffee (laughs) or whatever but yeah coffee yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yes so, yeah, they're having an entire article about the fact that they took 64 items down in price in mm-hmm. addition to that. And I find that absolutely hysterical, first of mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. But this is I find it surprising that they're working to take down prices at this time because we're seeing that. Um, and you'll see this in the Watson's Daily today. There's shortages of lots of crops at the moment. Salad mm-hmm. crops. There's um there's just food shortages all over the UK and we're still seeing that happen. And so it's surprising that people are trying to cut down costs when we're having a hard time even getting supply in at this time mm, mm. to me the fact that morrison's is doing that is at all is probably showing the last dying attempts at being relevant mm. because as we've heard many times on this podcast more morrison's is struggling i mean they lost their place to aldi recently and they're probably not too happy about that and they're just really barely grasping for straws to even stay relevant in the market at this time Mm. and a lot of that is about the fact that like what makes them different i know that they have a partnership with amazon um and so you can order things online from them but is that really enough there's enough other places that do the online market especially in the uk Mm. Mm. so to me it's like i don't feel like they're doing enough to kind of hold on at this time because price cuts nobody's going to be impressed by you cutting the prices of 64 new items in the span of an entire supermarket you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. So what do you think peter yeah i mean you know like you say morrison's has been um problematic you know it's been pushed out of the big four um classification of, of british supermarkets by aldi um which i do wonder actually oh do we do we call them the big three now and continue to exclude Aldi or do we call them the big four and, and, you know, Morrison's has lost the badge. Can't go, can't get in the club. Um, you know, I, anyway, I think that they are desperate. Um, I think that uh, cutting costs or keeping costs down is, is fine, um, but very expensive. And especially if you're not Aldi and Lidl, um, is unsustainable for a, a long period of time because it costs so much. You know, there's only so much you can do with with suppliers, 
and farmers and things because they've been cut right down to the bone as well because you know they've got to pay for all the feed the fertilizer all that stuff which has got mm-hmm. really expensive yeah you know and they can't do anymore and you know this is the problem isn't it is that you're getting um uh, farmers leaving you know you'll get the well there's, there's no point in in doing anymore and then if you get them 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 leaving once they're gone they're gone you know you you're not going to get them replaced by people just rocking up and having a farm i mean you know you, i mean i've not seen it but you know clarkson's farm um apparently is is a, a brilliant evidence um of of that that you can't just turn up and have a go uh and expect to do really well quickly you know so um so anyway i think it's really i, I think it's it's a very difficult time um and i and you know, I mean, you, you were saying something about Morrison's and Amazon, weren't you? Yeah, I was. So Morrison's does have a deal with Amazon. And I know last week you were talking about um, how Amazon wants to put more money into their grocery. Mm. So that could be a really intriguing concept mm. because right now, I mean, Amazon has their small Amazon fresh shops. That's like, that's kind of a niche thing that's random. And it's, I mean, it's not any better than going to a Tesco like mm. one of the small Tesco's. So that's not a huge thing. And then they bought out Whole Foods, mm. which is, I mean, it's really expensive. Whole Foods is, Whole Foods has always been known to have like the posh expensive food. Mm. And so that's another kind of weirdly niche market in a way. Mm. There's not even that many stores in the UK, especially mm. for that to mm-hmm. be relevant. And so mm. maybe strengthening their bond or maybe taking over if we see mm. Morrison's mm. could really help Amazon push their grocery a little bit more that mm. might be to me it's like Amazon's dying um dream to have groceries and Morrison's dying attempt at being a supermarket <laughs> or being a grocery mm. put together might actually help both of them mm. so maybe yeah. both their last dying efforts should be yeah. to partner up and attempt to do something with that <laughs> yeah i mean i i i think i think that makes that make does you know make strategic sense um because you know Morrison's has, has generally been more uh in the north of england generally you know, geographically um but you know but really having a proper actual venture or being taken over by amazon mm-hmm. means that suddenly amazon would get more products in more places but it would also mean that morrison's gets better distribution power and if amazon is keen as keen as it says uh about um uh, you know groceries surely morrison's will be quite attractive because um you know it's not doing great and um you know it's selling selling off shops and stuff like that i mean i suppose that amazon in theory could potentially buy a a sainsbury's or a um you know or, or a tesco but why not go for Morrison's? Because surely you'd get a better price. Plus, there's more. There's, um, you know, there's more growth potential here. Because especially if there's a geographic, um, you know, there's a geographic thing going on there as well. So, so yes, I mean, um, you know, any, any listeners here, you know, you've heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> Amazon Morrison's deal coming at you, um, and uh, yeah, because it just, I just think surely it makes sense for um 
UK supermarkets to team up with Amazon because Amazon's got Amazon's got the delivery, um, uh, you know, the network. The capacity There's, to do that, yeah. Yeah, it's got the capacity, it can do it, it can definitely do this. Um, and then, and you know, it, you're not having to pay for for it yourself. So anyway, I, I think that it makes sense. They've already worked with each other. They Surely they should do something. Um, if they've not done in the past, you know, deepen that relationship, then I think they should. Surely they, they will now, especially as Morrison's does appear to be on the defensive. Yeah, definitely. So what, what was your story about today, Peter? So I'm going to talk about a company called Kyocera. Now, the thing is, a lot of people go, what? What is that company? Um, it is a lot. Most people will call it Kyocera. Kyocera. Uh, it's a Japanese company. I'm half Japanese. You've heard hearing it here. It is Kyocera. All right. <laughs> anyway, basically, this company um, is a chip component company. It is uh, it is very big in terms of, you know, certain components. So uh, it's it's uh, technologies in phones, printers, solar panels and it has a 70 that is a seven zero percent global market share in ceramic components for chip manufacturing equipment now the story is is talking about how Curecilla, um are looking to um, shift production from china back to japan and they are going to be building a um uh, their first uh, domestic factory for almost 20 years which is pretty amazing um i think that um it just seems that there's there's a few things at work here you know i think on the one hand you've got um america essentially trying to make industries and companies pick a team you know via their um inflation um so their um their ira at, um you know, legislation, which is essentially giving loads of money to um, manufacturers, tech companies, that sort of thing, to manufacture in, in America. But they don't want China to benefit from it. So they are basically saying, you either pick us or you pick China. You can't have both. And that none of this funny business about you coming here and then sort of supplying China through the back door. So... I think that, that that is very interesting. I think this is very interesting. And I suspect that there are more companies that are going to have to pick where they are going to, um, you know, uh, um, to put their production. Um, and this is just one example of what's happening. So, like I say, Kyocera making something, uh, you know, making a factory in, in Japan. Um, so, yeah. So, but I mean, what do you think of that? So you, we, when we talked earlier, you made a really interesting point that this is kind of a good example of deglobalization. And I mm. think that's really something that we need to look at right now, because when we see, like, there was such a large movement to globalize everything, but now that there's been disagreements between China and the U.S., that's kind of rapidly disintegrating. I don't want to say, say disintegrating entirely, but it is starting to rapidly change. And a lot of that, I feel like, has to do with the fact that U.S., Canada, and Mexico are really working together mm. to make that area a manufacturing hub, make that area very self-sustaining and able to do things on their own. Um, 
and the U.S. has been really working quite hard on essentially like ostracizing the business, not allowing China to have certain components that they might need to produce chips. Mm. Um, and like to the point where they've been making agreements with um, the Netherlands and I looked it up. It was Japan, actually. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's the Netherlands and Japan that they were trying to essentially not allow them to export certain things to China to mm finish make like the chip making process so it's kind of an interesting thing where it's it's been interesting watching the u.s and china kind of fight this out and figure Mm. out their place because i feel like like you said when a company chooses china the u.s is no longer going to be willing to work with them Mm. and when you look at like the u.s's market and the fact that they're using so many chips like these makes things when we look at it they make things like phones printers solar panels those are huge in the market in the u.s and so Mm. to me it's like they are really trying hard to keep china from being able to do what they need to do Mm. yeah yeah no i i yes absolutely and actually um you know i mean i I know i'm talking sort of um going into another story today but um i think this is this is quite interesting at the moment because you've got um fears that china will basically steal technology um from other you know from various companies and there's this there was a very interesting article in the wall street journal today which was talking about how um chinese courts have looked like they've been roped in to help the the general effort um to minimize the damage caused by um this this whole sort of tech embargo thing and um and that you know patents are expiring and um other other funny things are <clears throat> other th- funny things are going on which is enabling chinese companies to legitimately copy um, technology and use it themselves. I mean, when I was looking at this, there was a really interesting, um, you know, there was a really interesting um, uh, story that I saw actually um, on in the FT from 12 years ago, right? Um, which was talking about a prime example of how China has stolen technology. So, for instance, they they um, in China they worked. So there was. Um, a Kawasaki Heavy Industries, which is a Japanese manufacturing company, um, it uh, got together with um, I, I can't say the name, but it's CSR King Dao Sifang, um, which is a you know uh, uh, the uh, I guess another you know heavy manufacturing industry uh, company, um, in order to make um, kind of bullet trains, and um, anyway, the amazing thing here. Uh, if you know if you if you haven't heard this story before um is that basically after two after two years um of working together the um chinese rail industry they basically stole the idea um and then they just went with it themselves and and ditched <laughs> ditched mm-hmm. everyone else and and it's just i mean it's it it's blatant it is blatant and i think that the thing is is that you know a lot of times um companies have gone to china you know they've gone with their eyes open they know that this is a risk however they have been willing to take the risk because they 
look at the size of the market and they just think, well, okay, we're just going to have to, we're just going to have to take one for the team and just, you know, and just get on with it. And, and it's, it is a shame. And, and, um, but I also think that this is, I mean, when I think about what, you know, what happened there, that was kind of, I think that was mid to late two thousands and, you know, we were into, into the 2010s as well, is that, you know, China has for so long been the only growth engine in town that, you know, in many ways, it it's kind of these little shenanigans here and there um, have gone, you know, have gone under the rate. Well, not under the radar, but but people have been turning a blind eye to it because. Um, so, for instance, in the aftermath of the financial crisis, you know, this is why you will have seen ch- uh, Chinese tech companies listing um, in America. And, you know, even though their disclosure was terrible in terms of their financial reporting, um, you know, the the um, exchanges were willing to turn a blind eye because they were the only ones that were, were listing. So, you know, they turned a blind eye there and they turned blind eyes. You know, it happens all the time. But I think now, you know, this is all, uh, especially now, it's all coming to a head. And, you know, they're being forced, everyone's being forced to pick a team now. Um, so, yeah, it's quite interesting what's going on. It is. I think that they're finding that in a lot of industries, the mm. regulations haven't been there in the past. Mm-hmm. And now that like regulatory bodies and other countries are paying attention and they kind of want to crack down on it because they're realizing that that's going to start diminishing their own markets if mm. they keep allowing that to happen. I mean, yes, China's a huge market and mm. that is a huge benefit being able to work with them. But at the same time, is it worth having essentially bleeding your intellectual property into China and not being able to do anything about it? Mm. You see it in a lot of industries over there that they take these ideas and I think they just, they know that there's a certain way of being able to do that without really sounding an alarm and making anyone do anything about it until kind of now. Mm. So mm. yeah, it's kind of all coming. It's all intersecting now and it's kind mm. of interesting to see at this moment. Absolutely. And look, you know, at the end of the day that I'm, I, I know that this sounds, I, I am doing China down and I guess I am, you know, I have to admit, I probably am in this, but, um, and you know, I don't know, may, there may well be, um, this kind of thing going on the other way around, right? Um, but I haven't. I mean, I, you know, maybe this is. Be, uh, I, you know, I, I. But I haven't found any. I can't see anything that says that. But I'm sure that probably does go on. Um, but all I know is that this definitely goes on this way round if you want to do something in China. So, um, so anyway, um, we'll be- probably better end on that note. Um, but it is very interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, we'll have to see how this goes, especially with the ongoing sort of US-China tensions. And we've got now China sort of, you know, sidling up to um, uh, Russia as well. It's all getting rather complicated. But anyway, um, I will. Well, we will. We'll be back again tomorrow. Um, so thank you very much indeed. By the way, uh, just for the listeners, I'm very excited. I'm actually <laughs> going to meet uh, Lacey today uh, with with a lot of other people. <laughs> uh, there's going to be a lot of other people um, today in London because I'm going to London. I'm having a day at me. I'm letting out. 
we're actually away from my desk today which is amazing um to go to a function in london and yeah meeting up with some of my amazing ambassadors uh you'll be you may also be amazed to know I've I've never met Duncan Balcom before, um, but I'm going to meet him tonight as well and a load of other people. So it should be really good fun. And I'm looking forward to meeting Lacey. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> All right. See you later. Quite see literally. You later. <laughs> and um, thank you very much for listeners for listening. Many thanks. Bye.